Well, children may be dismissed for junior church. Well, this is the uh, first Sunday of our Lenten season, and uh, going to um, uh, embark on a, a Lenten series of sermons that sort of carries the same theme as we've had the last uh, month or so. That is, uh, the, the purpose of the church, what the church is, who the church is, what the church is supposed to be doing. And attached to that, the idea that our, our vision should be the same as our Father's vision. And the supreme example of that carried out in a glorious way is our Lord Jesus, who in his journey to the cross did it perfectly, fulfilling every aspect of God's desire for him and for us. Jesus declared in Luke 19.10 his own rescue mission. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As followers of Jesus, we have the privilege, with the Holy Spirit's help, to join our Savior in the greatest mission of all time. Jesus stayed true to the commission that God gave him in everything, intentionally and faithfully, in his journey to Calvary. So turn with me to Mark chapter 9, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, brief explanation from our brother Mark, Lord. Uh, thank you for his brevity in this case, Lord. Of course, at the same time, we thank you for the, the fullness that is behind his words, the actual carrying out of your will by Jesus for our sakes. Lord, help us as we work through this passage just to think about these things in a way that will encourage us to be intentionally faithful in the same way that our Lord Jesus executed his mission. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is remarkable in his focus on mission. Uh, in this brief little uh, group of uh, verses from the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus in his identification and his performance as the one identified as the Messiah. So take up the, these arguments. We begin with his baptism, which in a real way was an identification. It was in a way that Jesus formally accepted the challenge laid before him. We look at the intention, why Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Well, John himself protested that Jesus had come to him to be baptized. He said, I need to be baptized by you, and here I am baptizing you. Jesus said to him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented to being baptized. So it wasn't 
It wasn't for sin. Everyone else was being baptized because they were sinners, and they wanted to prepare for the way of the Lord coming upon them, to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Jesus didn't have sin to confess or to repent of. He was perfect. But this is part of Jesus' total identification with humanity. Meredith Klein thinks that here baptism is an ordeal sign. So in that case, the baptism of Jesus would be an acceptance by him of God's general judgment on human sin. You see, Jesus submits to the symbol, in the, to the judgment, the symbol of the judgment of God because of the breaking of the covenant in the waters of baptism. It's the idea that the, the waters, the baptism, represents judgment. So we, uh, we take that as uh, Noah in the ark, the judgment upon mankind. We, we think of it as, uh, as, uh, as um, uh, also uh, crossing of the Jordan, uh, all those episodes where uh, the Egyptians were, uh, when they tried to get baptized in the Dead Sea, it didn't work out so good for them, you know, it, and it'd be, it was the end for them, but it was a passing through without judgment for the Israelite people. So Jesus undergoes that same sort of thing. He is submitting in symbol to the judgment of God. The event appropriately concluded with a divine verdict, the verdict of justification that was expressed by the heavenly voice and sealed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Here it says, uh, Meredith Klein says, the Messiah's earnest of the kingdom inheritance. And I, I love that, using the, the meaning of the, the old English word for earnest, uh, which refers to a thing intended or regarded as a sign of promise. So Jesus submits as part of a promise, right? Jesus, the Lamb of God, to submit to the symbol of judgment was to offer himself up to the curse of the covenant. By his baptism, Jesus was consecrating himself unto his sacrificial de death in the judgment ordeal of the cross. For us, such an understanding of his baptism is reflected in Jesus' own words referring to his coming passion. I have, been, I have a baptism to be baptized with. So Jesus deliberately chooses to accept John's baptism. It's emphasized in Matthew 3, 14 and 15 as well, that Jesus intends to identify himself with John's message and with the revival movement that it had created, to enroll as a member of the purified and prepared people of God, not merely as a participating member, but as the one who will secure the inheritance promised to the perfect, sinless, holy Son of God and to those who believe in him. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. And in this, both the Spirit and the Father bear witness to the Son. As in the book of Genesis, God created by his word and through the Spirit. So it was fitting that the very commencement of God's new work of recreation of the human race, there would be the same operation of the whole Godhead participating a sign confirming the existing reality of the person and the status of Jesus as Lord. Luke 10, 22. 
All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So without God's saying that this is my Son, without the Spirit descending upon him, we would not know that Jesus is the true Messiah. This is one of the things that Jesus is fulfilling, even though from a spectator's point of view, uh, it, it's puzzling. We don't know why he's doing all this stuff, but in, in his mind, he is fulfilling the demands of God's vision for him and for the human race. He's going through these things so that in every respect, in every way, he is fulfilling the demand that his role imposes upon him. And he's accepting it intentionally and with the with what was set before him, the joy that he will receive for that. All these things are important aspects of Jesus' role as he, it is being defined for us in the pages of Scripture. So we go from identification in his baptism to uh, the, the measure of his ability or the, the, judging his performance now. Just as the Spirit is the gentle dove hovering over the waters of baptism... Uh, as Noah's dove hovered over the ark of salvation and the waters of judgment, he is also the mighty spirit of creation. Hovering over the baptismal waters out of which God will call his new creation in terms of new made men and women. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It is this spirit of power who irresistibly impels Jesus into the wilderness for the next phase of what needs to be done. The place where so many of the Old Testament prophets received their initial commission and revelation, far from human habitation, only with animals and angels. The 40 days in the wilderness matches up pretty well with the 40 days in the wilderness. So we know that there's an intention there to, to use that as a symbol, 40 days, 40 years, a, a testing, a trial, if you will, that Jesus will go through just as Adam and Eve went through, just as the children of Israel in the wilderness went through. Jesus is being tested. Are you the Messiah? We'll see. What's the proof of the pudding? The purpose of this wilderness period was that Jesus might face and conquer the peculiar temptations involved in his calling as Messiah before commencing his task. The meaning is quite clear, especially from the narrative which follows. While Israel, God's child, had failed in the desert, Jesus, God's son, triumphed. So the tempter presents the Messiah with three tests. It attacks <clears throat> the drive of hunger, the physical appetite, uh, and, the, and the symbol of that is bread. You know, we as Westerners, we love bread. You know, it fills us up. Dinner is not dinner without some bread along with, right? Even breakfast, toast, you know, or a bagel or a muffin or something, it's bread. It fills us up. It makes us feel good, even though in the long run it's bad for us. So I hear, you know, don't eat that. Spit that out. If it tastes good, put it on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but for Jesus, the bread is a symbol. He says, 
you know, Satan says to him, you can make bread out of these stones. Right. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to cave in to my appetites, my fleshiness. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to the flesh. Satan attacks him next with the idea of death, you know. Uh, you know, cast yourself down. Your angels will pick you up. You don't need to fear death. Well, Jesus doesn't fear death. And, and part of being the Messiah is, is being true to the mission despite death. He knows that death is part of what is coming for him. And he doesn't shirk. He doesn't blink. He looks cold and hard at what is ahead of him. And he accepts intentionally to go forward. He does not cave in to the fear that Satan wants him to have. And finally, Satan attacks him from a political perspective. Hey, you're a ruler. It's in your blood. You know, it's in your DNA. You want to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, do it now. In fact, worship me and I'll make sure it happens, right? So Jesus says, no thanks to political expediency. That's not why he's come, to be a political messiah. He has come for much more important work, to save humanity from their sin, from the separation, from the gulf that is between them and their creator. Jesus has come to make that go away and to reconcile humanity to their creator. So Jesus doesn't cave in to ego. He wins. He wins the three big tests that Adam and Eve failed to win. Jesus succeeds where they fall. See, after his baptism, Jesus is driven into the wilderness where he faced the one who used the serpent to tempt Adam. First, Adam was tempted to rely on his own wisdom instead of the Lord's revealed will. The second Adam was likewise tempted to abandon God's will, that he subdued the serpent through suffering, that he would subdue the serpent through his suffering. When Satan tried to get Jesus to provide for his needs at the wrong time or to enter into an alternative reign immediately without suffering, Jesus overcame Satan's temptation, setting the stage for his final defeat on the cross. Jesus did not fall to the demands of his flesh, to his fears, or to his ego. but He stayed true to his mission and to God's vision for him. From Colossians chapter 2, we read, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, fun, triumphing over them in him. So you see what Jesus is doing here at the very beginning of his earthly ministry is he's establishing a foundation of perfection already. And for those of us who are, who are, who are watching this drama unfold, we're thinking, when is he going to get to the good stuff? You know, it's the, it's the Easter thing, that's the good stuff. Well, the reality is the good stuff starts at creation, in God's intention. It goes through the fall of man with God's intentionalness, right? His, his vision for bringing humanity back to him, saving his creation and restoring it. 
making a new creation. This is all the good stuff. God has a plan and he's sticking to it. And Jesus, even though we're not aware of the details, he is going through the steps one by one, accomplishing all that has been written in scripture. So when it's all said and done and we look back on it, knowing the end, how, it, how the story ends, we can look back and say, wow, Jesus is awesome in ways that we didn't even realize, in, in unexpected, glorious, and happy ways. We see Jesus going through these steps one by one, ticking them off, as it were, as he goes through, regardless of the suffering that he has to go through, the discomfort. He makes sure that he does everything that is necessary to fulfill God's vision for him. And he does it with joy and with focus and intentionality. Jesus wins where Adam and Eve failed. Jesus wins where, where Noah messed up. Jesus wins where, where uh, the children of Israel goofed off. Jesus wins. He is the new Adam, the new humanity. And everyone who believes in him will be saved because they will receive Jesus' perfection and his inheritance. We all become sons, as the song we sang just a moment ago says. From Romans chapter 5, verses 15 and 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died... Through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man... Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus does it. And the doing of it begins, you know, early on in his ministry on planet Earth. The baptism and the temptation in the wilderness. All these things had to happen and they happened gloriously. So, Thank you, Father God, for Jesus, who stayed true to your will. Luke 18.31 And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And he is doing that even before he told them that he was doing that. And just to prove a point, we look back on it. Like we're going to look over his record to see if he, you know, he, he never paid his visa bill and stuff like that. And we see perfection, 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 perfection. Jesus does it all. He kept God's commission with faithfulness and perseverance. And our prayer this morning should be, Jesus, help us to do likewise. Help us to be true to God's vision for planet Earth, for humanity. For us, help us, Jesus. Let's pray.